In golf, it's called a mulligan, a do-over, another chance at a botched shot. In life, though, and in parenting, there aren't any mulligans. Well, mostly. Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, so in the real world, there aren't really mulligans. But today, our Plugged In Show team is going to take a look back on our parenting mistakes in the realm of entertainment and technology, (laughs) and we're going to ponder the question together, if I could do it all over again, what would I, and of course my spouse, do differently? Or here's another way to put it. If we knew then what we know now, how might that have influenced the way we parented through these admittedly complicated issues. In our second segment, we'll ask another question, this one a bit different. What would you do if you were on a small plane and the pilot suddenly died? Well, (laughs) if your name happens to be Dennis Quaid and you're in a new movie called On a Wing and a Prayer, I'm guessing you'd figure out a way to land the plane with the help from some (laughs) helpful folks on the ground, that is. And Paul Acey is here to tell us about that new movie streaming this week, on Amazon's Prime Video. Paul, you're looking at me. Did I spoil the no, whole movie? No, you're I good. I mean, honestly, totally good. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm guessing that if the plane had crashed, no, just, they wouldn't have made a movie about it, right? I just, I just loved your introduction. It was a short movie. It was, it was great. It was a short movie. <laughs> the pilot died. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about do-overs. Well, figuratively speaking. So applying that concept to movies, if there's one movie you could go back in time and warn yourself against seeing, (laughs) what would it be and why? And it can be a movie that was just really bad, a movie that had content that you wish you could unsee, you know, take your pick. Yeah. How about all of the above? Right, Paul's entire Goodness. career. Yeah, all eight hundred movies it's you've so done in the true. last We've two months. We've reviewed so many terrible, so movies. many terrible movies. I I think my vote would go for Deuce Bigelow, American. Gigolo. Oh my oh, word! No. What a bad oh, movie! Oh my! Not that goodness. I saw it, but it anyway, was terrible. <laughs> you know, there are times we we really do have a good job here, right? We, right, we, mostly. I, I really like what we do. Yeah, but man, there are movies that you see. That that you say, I am not getting paid enough. No, right. I wasted I my life. I yeah. don't get the time yeah. back, and I will never get some of those images perhaps completely right. purged oh my from my files. Goodness. It's so, so terrible. So don't see Deuce Bigelow, American Gigolo. I would say for me, The Last House on the Left. It's uh, a horror movie. First of all, I can't stand horror. Everyone knows this, but it's terrible. <laughs> it's so bloody and violent. There's a scene where somebody puts their hand down a garbage disposal, okay. and I'll just say right. that, right? right. I mean, that's Who needs a... to see that? I, nobody. No one. It was I trash. didn't even need to hear that description. <laughs> it was trash. Did we make you see that? I don't even know. I think it came out way before that, and I was like goaded by my friends, but who knows? Oh, those friends. Yeah, those Peer darn pressure. friends. Okay, Jonathan? Oh. <sighs> Which movie do I think I wish I could unsee? Right. I mean, if you need to pick like a decade, I suppose we can go with that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Sadly, my my first thoughts go to uh, more like really bad acting and bad script writing. Yeah. Um, So, um, I mean, there's definitely some that content wise. um, I, I, I mean, I remember my wife and I actually 
walked, not really even objecting to it, but we walked out of the second matrix because we were bored out of our stinking minds. Uh, <laughs> right. I liked the first one and the second one uh, was just like, what? They get really? And just, yeah. And, and content issues as well. And stuff like that. So I do remember walking out of films. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing like, you know, when I sit down with a family to watch a Hallmark movie in uh, in December and just wish I could have all those minutes back. Um, <laughs> really? You're picking Hallmark movies? See, Adam has an attachment to this he won't tell you about, well, but it's there. Uh... They're, yeah, all, they're all I the mean, same, but still, that exactly. feels churlish. I mean, I, I get I get about 12 minutes to all those. And I'm like, the dude in the plaid shirt, he's going to find the girl over there, <laughs> the neighbor there. They're going to end up happy. That kid right there, he's going to break his leg. Something bad's going to happen. That's but so it's fair. okay because that dude's going to give CPR, and uh, which helps broken legs, as you know. And, uh, yeah, and so yeah, I always figure it out. Okay, that's that's interesting. So I have a uh, an oddball choice: (laughs) two hours that I want back, the remains of the day. Anybody? Oh, boring. That was a nice movie. Boring. Not a nice nice movie. movie. No, it was a horrible movie. Oh my! Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson, they both play servants in this British manner, and they have this slow burning. Are we gonna have a romantic relationship or not? No, they're not. You just spoiled the whole thing. <laughs> I did. And you know why? Here's no, the public people. service announcement. Yeah. If you need to watch a period piece, pick another one. <laughs> I have never been so mad at a movie for the story's sake. I mean, I've seen a lot of junk for That's plugged funny. in, right. right? That's funny. So I decided to go a different direction. And weirdly enough, here it gets weirder. But wait, there's more. I watched this. There were no women involved with the choosing of this. And if I'm making a gender stereotype, I apologize. But I watched it with two other guys. And oh, that's we, weird. We got done. And I'm like, why weren't we like playing pool or video games? <laughs> why did or you choose that do, movie? Like riding a motorcycle or doing something guyish. Yeah, I don't know darts. how we chose yeah. that movie. <laughs> Somehow we were all in a very sensitive, open-hearted place and, and it, it burns and it's a terrible <laughs> movie oh my word okay so we all have things that perhaps we regret and in retrospect we wish we could do them over and that's what we're going to be talking about with regard to parenting entertainment and technology in our first segment today so looking back on your parenting what would you say are some of the big lessons you learned hmm. about how to help your kids in the areas of, of entertainment and technology. And and obviously there's a lot of overlap between those two things too. It's a good question. Uh, Thank you, Paul. You know, (laughs) I always like to start with affirmation. That was kind of you. Great, great question. You know, I think one of the mistakes that the parents, I know that, that probably I made this as well is the idea of hard and fast rules are good. Right. But I think that that as a parent, we need to be aware that parenting is more of an art than a science in some ways. Say more about that. And And I know you will. uh, I think that that when you're dealing (laughs) with with issues like entertainment, you need to be very contextual. And not only do you need to say yes or no, but I think you need to say why. Oh. And the reason why I say that is there's a reason why kids are attracted to certain songs, certain shows. 
you kind of want to entertainment really as you're navigating the these entertainment discussions they can be a great avenue for exploration of who your kid mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. you know and i think that that can be a really fruitful way to sort of connect with them even if you say no to something to understand why it's appealing to them to be able to talk with them about why it's attractive uh, i think can lead into some pretty fruitful areas I, I would even go further and say, embrace the why, make sure you get to the why. And luckily, this is easy, because whenever you tell your kids, you know, oh, no, sorry, can't do that. The first word out of their mouth is why, you know, right? <laughs> and the biggest and the biggest mistake a parent could make is to do one of those because I said so, right? You know, and which we all, you know, swore we'd never do, but we found ourselves doing right. because and honestly, we're just tired out. Yeah, it, it does, because we're tired in a moment. We're like, you should know better now. Just be quiet and go to your room, you know, <laughs> or whatever that is. And but honestly, those, those <laughs> why moments are the parenting moments. Those why, I mean, we should embrace that why, because that's the heart of the issue. More than any rule we could ever, you know, lay out there um, as doctrine would be the the logic, the reasoning um, behind it. And those conversations are going to be the ones that when they are alone, when they're you know, on their own, 18 years old in that college dorm or in that army barracks, and they're making that decision, they're not going to have somebody who's telling them what they can and yeah. can't watch. It's all about the why at that yeah. moment. So any discussion we can have about the why uh, will help them become screen wise. So I don't have a ton of like philosophical information here because my oldest is five, but I do have an no, example but, but, I but will you share. Have five years of experience of yes. beginning to navigate this. Stuff. Yes, and I think yeah. and, and I love that perspective. Well, in a, a culture, honestly, in a generation where there's more tech than when your kids were growing up, and so I feel like in some ways, Back like in the olden days, <laughs> no. in 2006. I appreciate all this information so much because I'm gonna have to use it right as you know my kids get older and I have to discern and beg God for wisdom. But anyway, so uh, my son is five, right? And he really likes Dude Perfect. Now, there's nothing wrong with Dude Perfect. We love Dude Perfect. What is Dude Perfect? Oh, it's a YouTube channel for like with a bunch of guys who do like these stunts and tricks and sports and, and stuff. And it's crazy. It's crazy. It's super fun, really clean. And I don't care that he watches it. But I at first, he started asking me if he could watch it as soon as he wakes up. <laughs> and they always watch a show when they first wake up. And I said no at first, and I didn't realize why. Because he, he asked. He was like, well, why, Mom? I'm like, I don't just know. Like, enough. <laughs> but <laughs> See previous conversation. Yes, right. <laughs> but as time has gone on, I started to kind of notice his behavior patterns. He gets crazy in the morning if he watches that first thing. He wants to be dude perfect at 8 a.m., Jump I do off not, couches, yes, the whole bit. It's true. And I don't have the parental energy to be doing that at 8 a.m. <laughs> and so we watch it in the evenings if that's something he wants to do, like with his dad or for like their buddy time, which they have like every day, which is Aww. totally fine. But uh, yeah, this is just to I like think your, your point. Your kids are going to be okay. We certainly hope so. But <laughs> yeah. So I think you were saying like the why is so important. Like I, I know that's a facet of his personality. He loves sports, he loves those things but everything in context, right? Well, and I think there are two aspects to this why question. There, you know, we're used to kids asking us why, but I like where you started, Paul, which is we need to be asking the question, mm -hmm. why are my kids drawn to this? Mm -hmm. Is it uh, is it something, you know, stylistic? Is it a certain song? Is you know, there are all sorts of ways that we could answer that question. Um, but I think looking back, it's easy to have 
knee-jerk reactions when we immediately don't like what our kids are drawn to, right? right? Um, like a while back, my 13-year-old informed me she had watched almost all of the first season of Wednesday before we had a conversation about it. And my knee-jerk reaction in my head wasn't very good, but I was actually able to corral that. And she's 14, so she's making some of those decisions herself. And so I asked her, you know, what what is it about this show that appeals to you? And then I asked, can I watch it with you? Um, and That's great. thankfully That's great. for my 14 year old who often in public won't even acknowledge that I exist, <laughs> she was actually still interested in having me enter into her world in that sense. So I think that that, that why question um, can go both directions. And, and But I think one of the lessons that we learn is when we have those knee-jerk reactions, um, if I can take a, a momentary step back yeah. before just reacting out of frustration or exasperation or isn't it self-evident to you that this is <laughs> garbage, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, I was just going to say that I think that um, bef- like as we get into the why, what Eddie and I are trying to do, my husband and I, is trying to establish like who are we as a family? Like what's our family culture, right? So asking a lot of like, because I mean, my five-year-old has already asked questions when we're at the park and he hears kids say things that they shouldn't say. And a lot of times my response is that's just not what the Smiths do. Like that's not the way that we're going to do things in our Feels family. Like a sitcom. I know, I know. What the Smiths do. I, I just, I, I feel like I don't, I don't want to shame other yeah. families in the way that they want to do things. It's, that's, that's totally your Even choice. Even it's clearly wrong. No, I think some of it's just like dependent on like what, you know, just how a parent wants to like sure. parent their child. And so for us, mm-hmm. it's easy for, easier for us to establish like this is the culture of our family and other families have like different cultures in their family and this is the way we're going to handle things and then dive into each kid's personality, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those personalities are just so important. You know, yeah. it, it, obviously, sometimes the why, when we talk with our kids, sometimes it's going to be all of my friends are doing it. All, you know, right. this is something that is big at school, right? But a lot of times it goes a little bit deeper. I, I, I think that, that Adam, you and I, and Jonathan probably, uh, we all grew up in a time when you could go to somebody's dorm room and look at their music collection, their books, and it would be like shorthand to their personalities. It oh, is shorthand like for who they are. Yeah. yeah. And you can see the same the same things in your kids, really, when you see what they are interested in, when you see like what that. they like. Um, it gives you a hint as to what makes them tick. And, and if you know what makes them tick, that's only going to make you a better parent. I think that's exactly right. And when I think mm. back on, on some of the things that I feel like we've learned and some of the mistakes that I've made that we have made, one of them I want to point out happens accidentally or it happens. uh, You're not even paying attention and you realize, Oh, I think we blew it there. Um, with our first child, um, the Guinea pig, the Guinea pig. (laughs) Well, here's the thing about your first child. In some ways you're trying the hardest with the first child. Mm -hmm. You've read Mm -hmm. the books. Mm -hmm. You're most determined to do it perfectly. You don't want to screw anything up. And, and his name's Henry. And with when Henry was born, I, you know, working at Plugged In, knew that the research said kids shouldn't even see screens until they're two years old, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say we were 100% perfect on that, but we tried not to have the TV on if he was in the room. Like, we were really, really, really intentional about those first couple of years. 
Well, then we had another one. Yep. And things slip a little bit. And then we had a third one. And the slippage, we're further down the rope, <laughs> sliding toward the ground. But what I want to say is, I think in retrospect, the boundaries that you set for your oldest um, almost automatically become the boundaries that you're going to use for your youngest, even if you haven't thought through it. And so my oldest is now 16 and my youngest is 12. And she got a smartphone earlier than he did. And, yep. and, and he's like, well, why did she get it when, you know, she's younger than I was when I got a phone. And I'm like, okay, time out. You're right. A B you're not the parent. So <laughs> this is not going to be a long conversation, <laughs> but it's easy to have those limits for your older kids automatically sort of become the limits for the young. So the takeaway here is I think if you want to, not do that, you got to be super intentional. And Mm -hmm. and so, and on the flip side, some of that desire to get it all right and to be perfect while well-intentioned maybe just made me a more stressed out parent. And so I think the good part of sliding down with each one is you do relax a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, I think there's both things that are positive and potentially negative with each additional child that comes along here. Mm. Yeah, one thing that I found as a parent, this was sort of odd, and, and this is an odd conversation in some ways because I messed up a lot as a dad, right? I wasn't going to say A anything. lot. But this as is sort I. of a strange area where it feels like we did pretty well. You know, when when mm. when my son was young, we would we would tend to watch things with him, right? We would be very, very intentional as to what TV shows he watched, what movies he watched. And we were almost always in the room when he was watching it to, mm-hmm. to sort of help guide the conversation, to see what he was into, all that kind of jazz. I, this might be interesting just to ask you, Kristen, because I know you're the oldest of 15 uh, yeah. siblings, right? I think it's right? quite 15. How many? <laughs> seven. Seven. But, yeah. but we found that my son, for whatever reason, he was very interested in following the rules. We didn't have a mm-hmm. lot of tension mm-hmm. over what sort of things we were going to watch. If we said no, he would accept that. Uh and he sort of helped raise our younger one in that way. We never had a yeah, lot of Yeah, sometimes the oldest are really, they're <laughs> they, the rules. They sort of set the, the template yeah. for that. You know, and I can imagine Kristen in her household was probably a little bit the same way. You, you younger brother. Yeah. So we've mentioned the word rules quite a bit, and we've talked a little bit about relationship. And I think that those two things aren't diametrically opposed, but I do think that there are two different ways of thinking about how we navigate technology and how we navigate entertainment. Talk to me about how the relationship between those two things changes over time. You know, if you go back to scripture and you think of like the, you know, passage that, you know, in Jewish households, raising kids and honestly, in, in Christian households today, we always go back to that Deuteronomy passage where it talks about the Lord God is one and let impress this on your hearts. And then, of course, it says, impress this on your children. And the way it tells us to do it is not with a ruler smacking them on the wrist or whatever. It says, talk with them about this yeah. as you walk along the road, as you get up. As you go to bed at night, uh, you know, wear this on your hands, on your foreheads, which means in everything you do and everything you talk about. It's they paint this picture of walking with your kids throughout the day and having conversations about mm. this. And so that that 
in this very fascinating passage about raise your kids right and impress truth to your children, the way to do this is through conversation and through relationships and through being with them. And that's not in any way to paint a picture of let your kids do whatever they want. No, it's right. not that, but it's, you're having dinner with them. You're having maybe even breakfast with them. You know, you're walking along the road with them. And I know a lot of parents are thinking, how do I do that during the middle of the day? They're at school, I'm at work. But I think that means as parents, we got to be proactive about how can we make family dinner a big priority? How can we maybe make a rule like let's shut off devices at eight or nine at night? And as much as a sacrifice as, as it would be for mom or dad, because now we can't sit down and watch the show we want, <laughs> but you know, screens are off and that's when conversation happens because you're all sitting around the couch before bedtime, you know, reading a book or talking or laughing. And and those having those kind of creating that climate of comfortable conversation um, that allows that relationship. Um, and then, yeah, you're going to have some rules. But, you know, when I asked hundreds of parents for in research for one of my books, I was asking, hey, if you go back and if you could do parenting all over again, very few parents were like, you know, I should have been more strict and laid down the law. It was amazing. And, and some parents did feel like they let their kids do too much. But it was amazing how many parents, the regret was how much time they didn't spend with their kids and they wish they would have spent more time in conversation with their kids. You know, when I think about as I was growing up, one of the highlights of growing up in a small town that didn't have a very good infrastructure is the power. <laughs> Taos. The power, yeah. Taos, New Mexico. The power would sometimes go out. And so we'd have these blackouts periodically. That and sounds fun. It totally was. And, and one of the reasons that it was fun is was because mm. the screens were off, the lights were down. I spent the most quality time with my parents during those mm. blackouts mm. than we, we ever had a chance to do because we just get so distracted by the lives that we live, even back in those... <laughs> those right, and we're talking the 1970s, right? Exactly. So yeah. theoretically, it was 80s, a simpler yeah. time. And theoretically, it yeah. was a simpler time, but we still had distractions then. The screen, not we, the screen. <laughs> the screen was off. <laughs> we desire, as children that contact with our parents. We yeah. desire to be seen. We desire to yeah. be known by them. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as parents, especially young parents, we forget that. I think we get stressed. We get anxious. We get worried. We get worried and, and uncomfortable that we're not doing the right thing. And so that sort of tenses us up and makes us in some ways lean more into rules instead of leaning on conversation, leaning into into relationship. See, this is this is so good for me to hear but so difficult at this stage mm. because I feel mm. like now if I'm wrong please tell me now before I ruin <laughs> my kids lives for the next couple of years but I just I feel like these are the years for me to for me and my husband to set not only the culture of our family but really to establish what the boundaries are right like because yeah, they're so sure. young and because I feel like maybe as they get older they'll push in different ways I know I did as a teenager but like as they're younger, we you can just say no to certain things, you right. know, like yeah. that's off yeah. limits. But like you're saying, if you're wrong as a parent and I need to admit when I'm wrong and apologize, that's OK. It's OK for me to say, you know what, I I probably shouldn't have even said no here. Let's talk about this. So like I've said this, I think before, but we were not going to do tablets in any form. And then we went on a tri family trip and didn't have them. And it was the worst four hours of my life. <laughs> right. and, and sometimes yeah. in a very real way. A real world experience yes. challenges 
a very well thought out yes. value and you're like, okay, except for this thing that I didn't see coming. <laughs> yes. it, it doesn't yeah, mean that yeah. it's just a capitulation or you're making an excuse, but right. um, experience, it's easy to raise kids before you have them, right? Right. <laughs> and I interrupted you. Krista. No, no, you're, you're right. It is. I think that's one of the main things is like you have all these ideas about the ways that you might raise children and then you have children. Yeah. And I was the oldest of seven. And in my head, I was like, man, I've like helped my mom with these kids. It's going to be easy. This. I got this. And then I had my own kids. And it's so difficult. And everything really is nuanced. And so there's a lot of conversation in our household about like some things are just no, but when it's a maybe or when it's a yes, let's talk about that like I am strict about screen time like you get this tablet after quiet time you can have it for 30 minutes and if you decide that you're not going to listen like that's mine because there are going to be some boundaries but I do want to pay attention to what's on it we want to have conversations right as opposed to just this like hard and fast rule Kristen I, I I love the fact that you're saying you know hey at this age while the, they're young like this I mean they need guidance it's a fact you right. absolutely do so it's not I think some people when they think of rules or relationship they think of it as an is an either or it's yep. not it's a both and right a and absolutely you know a, a toddler like my grandson he's two years old you know you could be out in the front and he like run out in the road that's not a time to go let him learn you know i mean you know <laughs> he's they, just they expressing do his desires he, 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 yeah you, you know it's a time to say no bad big truck smashy you know to talk intelligently <laughs> with him you know and, and the thing is it's in those moments you know that that when you tell him that, here's the thing. When I played with my grandson for half an hour and played what he wanted to play and read the book he wanted to read and did all that stuff, it, it helps me in that moment where I'm like, no, you're not going to do that because he knows I love him because love is sometimes spelled T-I-M-E. We can't just have rules. We need to have rules, but we can't just have rules. We need to have that relationship. And the more we spend time with our kids, the easier it will be. Yeah, that's a lie. It's not easier. It's necessary <laughs> for us to be able to also say no danger and have those conversations. But I tell you, it sure is, is paved when you have that relationship with them. Yeah. You know, as we have this conversation, one of the things that I'm aware of as as we talk is that it's easier to set some of these rules and relationship guidelines in place when your kids are younger. Right. Yeah. Like if you're starting from ground zero, if your kids are, are Kristen's age, then it can be easier to jump up. If your kids are teens, that can be a more difficult area in which to start yeah. this. And yet it's all the more important and all the, in, in some ways, I think all the more fruitful, because as your kids get older, that's when those conversations, that's when the why becomes even more important. And I, I think if I look back at my own parenting as my kids were getting older, I wish I had leaned into the why more. Mm. I, you know, I, I have taken away music from my son uh, that I didn't feel was appropriate for him at, at age 11 or whatnot. Mm. Looking back, if I had had a chance to do it over again, I think I would have listened to that music mm. and, and engaged in him like with the conversation. Yep. To understand, yeah. and I still 
probably would have taken it away, but at least I would have come. But at least not it would have from... been an informed decision. <laughs> That's exactly right, because yeah, we, yeah, exactly. we often make these knee-jerk decisions because yeah. we have to make a decision right away. Mm-hmm. Right. But when we engage with what our kids are listening to, what they're watching, all that kind of stuff, I think that, that it increases not only our knowledge of what they're into, not only increases our knowledge of our children, but it also gives us opportunities to engage on a deeper level with them. I think that's right. And I think with regard to the rules versus relationship um, conversation, Jonathan, I love what you said. It's both and. It's not either or. I do think that like percentage-wise, as they're younger, it's a higher percentage on rules and a lower percentage on relationship. And as they grow older, that balance shifts, right? Um, Where... I'm going to give fewer guidelines and I'm going to give you more freedom, um, you know, and more agency to be able to make some of those decisions. But whether we're focused a little more on rules and boundaries or that growing sense of freedom, that relationship is always important. And I think, you know, our kids are going to wander into stuff that we don't like sometimes. And, and it can catch us off guard. I think I shared a while back, you know, I found out that one of my daughters had been listening to Katy Perry. And my knee-jerk reaction was like literally straight out of a meme, right? That is a bunch of garbage. We're not listening to that in our house, you know? And I, even as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, "Mm, you just screwed up. Yeah. Um, And there are some things in Katy Perry that are, you know, we would do well to pay attention to and understand that there are problematic messages. It wasn't even that my perspective was off, but I had a very harsh reaction. And sometimes I think when we have boundaries and rules, we have to be careful that we don't use those as a hammer on our kids, right? Because when they get whacked with a hammer, does that invite relationship? No, it doesn't. It may mean we still need to say no, but nobody likes getting hit. Right. Right. I mean, metaphorically speaking. (laughs) Right. And and I just think back to to those old Charlie Brown cartoons, right, where the adults always. (laughs) And I think that that can be if you if you throw down the hammer too often, if you say, no, we're not doing that. That's what eventually it translates. Exactly. So. Well, and I think just to, to begin to bring our conversation in for a landing here, I wonder um, and I haven't studied this passage, you know, and done a Greek word study, but <laughs> but Paul in the book, um, I believe, of Ephesians, but the Apostle Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your sons, mm-hmm. do not exasperate mm-hmm. your children. And I think that exasperation comes when we have too many rules and not enough relationship. And, and granted, I'm importing a 21st century perspective into what Paul was saying, but but our kids shut down emotionally when it's just rules, 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 and we don't take that time to engage with them. I just want to say one last thing. I, I don't know if you guys feel this pressure if you're on Instagram, but in this <laughs> Instagram culture, and I feel it really heavily as a mom, which I try to stay off of, that there's really a huge emphasis now, not only on this picture perfect life, but on this um emphasis on like quality time, like these, these grand gestures where you're spending all this quality time with your kids and you can look at it as a parent, but you still have time to put it on Instagram. Just saying. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you can look at it, you can look at it as a parent and think, wow, that feels really overwhelming. But I heard something, I think it was from Jerry Seinfeld and he, (laughs) the prophet Jerry Seinfeld, right? (laughs) Well, he made this really 
it sounds it probably it doesn't sound profound to you, but just a really good point where he was just talking about he said, I really don't like this quality time um I don't like this quality time generation. He said, whatever happened to just mundane time and being Ooh. present in the mundane time? Yeah. And I thought that is so, I feel like I can take a deep breath. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Like I can eat cereal with my kid at nine o'clock when he should be in bed and talk right. and, and hang out. And you shouldn't be eating cereal. Yeah, I can like go for a just walk saying. and have that conversation as opposed to all of these grand gestures that like we feel compelled to do because of what we see in the world, you know? Mm. And I feel like that translates so, it can translate so well to technology in your relationship like what are you doing in the mundane moments because I feel like if you have that relationship if you're able to get through to your child and to have those conversations they might not like the boundary that you set but hopefully they respect it yeah so I want to use that just to stick the landing on our conversation I think for us as parents there is incredible pressure to get it right Mm -hmm. and I think social media as you rightly noted Kristen can amplify that pressure All of us can probably remember times as a kid where our parents did something and we thought in our little devious child minds, (laughs) when I have kids, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to make that mistake. I am not going to be that dumb. How could they be so clueless? Mm -hmm. And then you get to be a parent and you realize, wow, this is really complicated. And so if there's a message that I want to give to close out our conversation here today is there is that grace, right? That that we want to be engaged. We want to be relational. We want to be building that sense of connection with our kids and rules are a part of that. Um, But ultimately it's that relationship that matters. And no matter what you do, you're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be times when you look back and you think, oh, I wish I had a do-over on that. But I think because of God's grace for us, we can receive that and say, okay, I didn't get it right but I'm going to continue to love and engage with my kids as best I can. And we're going to stay in this fight because it is a fight, right? I mean, not with our kids. Well, sometimes with our kids Uh, (laughs) because of all the stuff we have to navigate now. It is a complicated time, but take that breath and know that you're going to make it through and uh, go spend some time playing with your kids. All right. Thanks guys. Well, in our second segment today, I kind of spoiled it a little bit in the intro. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a new movie called On a Wing and a Prayer. And this continues Dennis Quaid's sort of unlikely, perhaps, journey into super family-friendly entertainment. Although, I guess he did all that Disney stuff early in his career. So, uh, well, this isn't a segment on Dennis Quaid's career, <laughs> other than to say... Not future podcast. Paul, tell us about this movie. Enough so, from me. Yeah, so... What, what do we need to know? <laughs> on a Wing and a Prayer is about this family who gets into a plane. Uh, it's a private plane. They're flying back from the Dennis Quaid's brother's funeral. Right there, uh, you know you got problems. Yep. If you're a celebrity, you should never get on a small plane. Never get on never, a small plane. Never, 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 never. So essentially, the the as you mentioned, the pilot dies. He has a heart attack just pretty much soon after they, they take off. Right. Um, the Dennis Quaid character, I think his name is Doug White, uh, he, he has had maybe – an hour's experience, maybe two in a little tiny plane. Really, really a terrible flyer. But now, because the pilot is dead, he has to land it's the worse plane than that. himself. He's dead, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he has to land the plane. This is actually based on a true story. This actually happened 2009 Easter Sunday. Okay. Uh, it's a really interesting story. And, and honestly, uh, just the setup, the idea that this 
dad needs to get his family down on the ground safely with help from people uh, who are radioing up to him, trying to help him fly this plane that he's never flown before. I mean, no pressure. No pressure. Right. Some mistakes uh, you'll like, only make one time. But what's it about? That's it. That's the it. whole movie? Well, essentially, so the, the, the Dennis Quaid character has is having sort of a crisis of faith as Obviously. well. Obviously. I mean, right? think about what's happening. All of his family members seem like they're dying of a heart attack. He is <laughs> he is really kind of bummed about that, and he wonders what bummed. God's role is yeah. in, in kind of what what is God doing with so all So is these... it a Christian movie? It's sort of Christian adjacent. Yeah. I, I mm. think would be fair mm. to say. This is not a Christian movie in that it has more content than you expect mm. uh, but it does have that nice i could see there could be some content when somebody dies while flying your plane well there is an issue <laughs> with that for sure but you do have some swearing you do have some mild cursing i would say they're stressed but you do have that that thread of faith where it's talking about uh trying to find god in obviously a pretty extreme place now all the people on the ground have their own backstories that they're dealing with and this entire crisis helps sort of further their relationships along a guy has a drinking problem um so you have these other personal elements that go into that the whole to the drama that add to the drama and there's a lot more drama on the plane too there's storms coming in a girl on the plane has it eats a peanut and she has a terrible Oh, peanut you allergy. Know, when your plane is crashing, why not throw some anaphylactic shock into the mix too, just to raise the stakes? <laughs> so clearly, there's a lot going on in this movie. I mean, we're laughing a lot, but it's not supposed to be a comedy, I don't think. Well, so here's the thing: it's directed by Sean McNamara, who ha- he's really well known for some again some faith adjacent movies. He did Soul Surfer. He oh, did okay. uh, the also Miracle Season. Yes. The Miracle Season is a volleyball movie, which yeah, has yeah. stars Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt, really, yeah. really a very nice movie. So he does a lot of these sort of movies that have a faith element injected into them. Yeah, okay, um, which is quite nice. This particular movie. It does have a little bit of a comic flavor at times. Um, the main actress in it, Heather Graham, she's mainly known for doing comedies. And so you have these these really wry moments that sort of strike me a little like, uh, you know, in Jurassic Park, you have objects in the, in the mirror are closer right. than they appear, right? Yeah. Must, so, must go faster. <laughs> so there, there, are some, there are some elements of, of just the, the ludicrousness of their relationship. Ludicrosity? Ludicrosity? That's not. <laughs> Um, (laughs) You know, they're trying to deal with keep everybody calm and trying to talk with the people on the plane. So you have these these sort of intentionally humorous interactions with each other that I think help bring the movie along. But it's it's meant to be suspenseful. It's meant to be inspiring. It really is an incredible uh, based on this incredible, incredible true story. All right. Well, I think this is a good place to. Bring this Lamb one. <laughs> Dad I'm here always, folks. If we, can, if always. we can successfully land it, yes. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, I think I, I overshot. No, I think we're okay. I think we got it down. Thanks so much, Paul. Well, now it's time for a little game we like to call Pop Culture Connection, wherein our producer Ashley, hey Ashley, hey Adam. <laughs> tries to uh, invite us to get creative and fast mm-hmm. with pop culture questions. Where the goal is not quality, but quantity of answering. Yes. So we will give as many answers to your questions as we possibly can. Yes. 
in 30 seconds. You got to talk way faster than Adam just did, too. Right. If you're going to win. Right. Way faster. And this, and this, and this, so and this, and this. What do you got for us? All right. Kristen, I'm going to pick uh, on you first. Okay. Oh, cool. You know, I enjoy that Pipe so much. Pipe down, Jonathan. All right. He's going to win. <laughs> no so piping. You, your question. <laughs> okay. Would you choose Snapchat or Instagram and why? Mm. Oh, Instagram. I hate Snapchat. I think Snapchat <laughs> is like weirdly deceptive. I think it's shady. Um, I think Instagram, I really like the images. I like you can do reels, I like that you can search. I send reels to my husband all the time for us to laugh. They're funny. You can find really um, heartfelt ones as well. That might influence some change. Um, I like that you can have more direct communication with fans on there um, or like followers. Um, you can use it to create ads or promote businesses. Um, oh, man. I think the. Oh, well, there we are. That was, that was pretty awesome. good. That was pretty good. Thanks. That's I'm awesome. I'm so glad can, I didn't get that question. Can I just say Love that last Snapchat. night I was watching Reels on Instagram for Reels? And there was one, and the, the caption was something like, Real footage of Jesus saving me from my sin, and it was a guy getting a sheep out of a ditch, Aww. and the sheep immediately <laughs> runs in a circle and goes right back <laughs> in the ditch. And oh, I like, seen that went one. upstairs. My wife was already in bed, and I took it up to her. I'm like, "You got to see this." <laughs> and as much as we, you know, sometimes are critical of social media, it's funny. I think that there are times when it really does offer fodder for a good laugh, Absolutely. and that's healthy. Anyway, well, well, and now on to our next question, because well, this, this isn't is, the point. This is also a good place to say that Plugged In has a great Instagram Oh, yeah. Good account. job, Ashley, yeah. bringing that in. Look at that. Marketing. <laughs> with us. How many points yes. did I get? You got seven. Hey. Yay. All right, Jonathan's next. He's gonna All win. right. Jonathan. Well. Let's put the slow filter on him. I'm actually going to move to Adam. Ooh. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. I'm ready. Bring it. Adam, count. Mm-hmm. What do you consider to be the best film genre of all time and why? Well, science fiction, because you have planets, you have spaceships, you have Han Solo, you have Wookiees, you have, um, see, I'm just going straight to Star Wars here. You have Star Wars versus Star Trek. You have really great spaceships like the Starship Enterprise and the Tantive Four and Star Destroyers. Um, you have light speed, I mean, who, or warp speed if you're a Star Trek fan. Or plaid. And who doesn't love yeah. that? Or plaid. Um, and you have parodies of those movies like Spaceballs, which you shouldn't watch because it has a ton of content. Um, but even so, they provide a lot of laughter. Yes. How many 11? did I get? I got nine. Oh. Ooh, Felt like yeah. 11 to Very me. I think good. it was 11. But... You were going at warp speed, I right? would just say. Very nice. Right? Ridiculous speed. <laughs> Uh, I'm resisting the urge to quote all sorts of things from space balls that are totally inappropriate. (laughs) The improbability drive. All right, Paul. Oh, all right. I want you to think. I forgot forgot you were up, didn't you? (laughs) I I was thinking, I'm going to have to learn how to speak way, way faster to keep up with this crew. Okay. All right. Think back to your childhood days. That's a long ways back. What was your favorite TV show and why? Magnum P.I. because yes. you got the Ferrari, you got Hawaii, you got uh, just all those mysteries that you have to solve all the time. You had a helicopter, you had wisecracking best friends, you dealed with Higgins and his dogs, the Zeus dogs were super cool. And then you had sometimes people would swim and almost drown. You mm. would have, um, you, it was when the, the, the mustaches were really yeah, cool. The I kind of wanted a mustache at the time. Right? <laughs> I mean, who that didn't was, want to dude, be Tom Selleck when we were 14? That's awesome. 
I got 10. Oh! oh. Yeah, yeah, he killed yeah. it. Jonathan's actually going to have yeah. to work this week, but he'll still win. I'm, I'm so glad you brought in the stash. <laughs> you yeah. know, you can't forget the you stash. You can't. So I got to say, I got the whole DVD series for my wife for Christmas a while back. They don't hold up quite as well. No, no they don't. No. But so. the 308 still looks fantastic. So cool. <laughs> the best car it ever. It really is. It's the best. I totally All right, agree. Jonathan. All right, let's do it. What do you think is the best song of all time and why? Oh, I think the best song of all time is Mary Had a Little Lamb because it's so <laughs> enduring to, to you know, PETA and to uh, animal lovers everywhere. It, it talks about responsibility. It's good. Feminists love it. Uh, I mean, it, it's self-starters who get wool, create their own thing. You know, I mean, it, it, this is a clean lamb. I mean, obviously, she's a clean person. It's sanitary. Uh, obviously, working on the hooves, the whole thing, you know. I mean, what in the world? I think you should win. Absolutely. Jonathan, that's the best ever. The lamb was clean. <laughs> sanitary. The fleece was white as snow. The fleece yeah, was white no, as snow. I, I get it. I get it. Lambs are dirty creatures. She no, cares and loves that thing. They are. Jonathan, I don't know what this career is, but you should find a career in whatever this is because <laughs> you would just excel. Right. I mean, it feels That's like me. you're just viral He's waiting so to happen good at it. with okay. stuff like That's that. Hilarious. The lamb was clean. Who won? As mm. far as points go, Paul, but for laughability, John. Oh, sorry. I think he that gets extra awesome. points. No, I, we have to invent an entirely new category for Jonathan great. to win in. <laughs> Which I part of me is begrudging, but part of me is still laughing at the clean sheep. Anyway, um, I don't quite get the feminists love it, but uh, well, that's all right. It's all right. We just marry, marry. She cleans it. Wasn't Mike had a little character. lamb? Mike had a little lamb. No, that doesn't work. Wow, we are very far afield, and you know it is good to laugh. And I hope that as you listen to the plugged in show and you have opportunities to be challenged in some deep and meaningful ways that you can also join us in literally laughing till we cry like Ashley is right now. <laughs> Tears are streaming out of her Indeed. eyes and perhaps Paul as well. <laughs> so thanks for taking this time to join us today and I uh, hope that you enjoyed our conversation. And speaking of conversation, we would love to keep ours going with you. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned as parents, um, why do you think Mary Had a Little Lamb is the best song of all time? I mean, it feels like we could do an entire segment just riffing on on Jonathan's answer. <laughs> I think so. Um, we would love to hear from you. And you can let us know by connecting with us on our blog or via Facebook or Instagram, where you'll find links to the episode notes for this week's show. And of course, you can also just drop us a message at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And while you're at it, we would love for you to leave a review wherever you get your podcast, you can let people know that uh, these guys are are smart and funny at the same time. And can you say that? at least that? we think we are. <laughs> well, there's that. I'm a dad, so I think everything's funny. It's, it's a beautiful part of, of being a dad. <laughs> so thanks for spending some time with us this week on The Plugged In Show. We know that you could spend time doing a lot of different things and we are thankful that you have spent some of that time with us and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of the plugged in show
As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.